It is Locked On Jazz for the 14th of June, the day after my parents' anniversary, which is something and somebody something, and I can't remember what it is. So whatever it is, I'll hopefully remember. A deep dive on Terry Stotts as a head coaching candidate for the Utah Jazz, the value of athletes, the names that are being rumored, and let's look at the Detroit Pistons menu and decide whether we like it or not. It's all coming up on today's edition. Of locked on jazz. You are locked on jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers. And hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. And we are free and available on all platforms. Thanks. Hope you're great. Um, Quick thought or two on last night's game, which was great. Before we get into Terry Stotts and do a big deep dive on the former Portland Trailblazer and other uh, people, head coach, um, the most experienced candidate that is out there and pretty hard to deny would be a good step for the Utah Jazz. So let's um, talk about that. But first, um, pretty remarkable to just consider that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green have now won more finals games than any trio in the history of the league. And myself leading this, I think, you know, I missed pretty badly on the Warriors this year in that once that group got together, I guess you had to kind of treat them like Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan and just assume they'd be the favorites again, and I didn't. Um, And that's probably the respect that they deserved. The second one is Andrew Wiggins, who becomes now the fourth piece of that puzzle, which is ridiculous because he's the number one pick of a draft. Um, And this is where, in a world of elite athletes... If you have an athlete that's more elite than the elite athletes, you got to go get them. Like, that's the thing on Wiggins. And the amount of time that, frankly, Quinn and myself and other people have had discussed Andrew Wiggins. He's probably the most discussed player in the NBA. Um, in that he was this incredible athlete. I mean, I just loved him out of Kansas, maybe as much as any player I've ever seen. Had everything. And then didn't materialize in Minnesota. And then had all these nights of like zero rebounds or zero assists. And, you know, I thought Van Gundy said it well last night. Like, you know, he was rightfully so how he was labeled um, for not playing hard every night and being completely engaged. And, you know, now he goes into a different role and he's more comfortable. And this is the game. Like, who are those athletes out there? that are just crazy elite athletes, that when you are an athlete and you look more athletic than the greatest athletes in the world, that's something special. And that's when you have that type of person out there, um, you have to go find that person. Like you, if you can go, if that player's out there this off, we don't have, Donovan's it for us. We don't have anything else. Maybe Jordan, frankly, actually. Jordan's probably the best athlete on the team. So we have two. We have Jordan and Donovan. And you can see in the playoffs that generally those are the guys that can play and handle it and play up to that level. Um, 
And so there's really something about in, in a league of the world's greatest athletes um, having one of the being that athlete. Um, one news note in regards to the Jazz Mark Stein substack had that he wouldn't be surprised if Danny Ainge didn't interview 20 um, candidates. Almost on an intel grab. Um, you know, there's some argument that they probably have it down to three or four right now, but you might as well let a fifth or sixth jump into the group and see what happens. Um, and see whether or not somebody emerges. One note before we jump into Terry Stotts that I wanted to um, kind of fix from yesterday. I thought I did one. I went back and listened to it the first time we did a coach breakdown in eight years, and I wanted to, and I thought we did a good job on we. Um, I guess I, this sounds so weird. I guess I thought I did. I actually went back and reviewed it. On Frank Vogel, you know, I do think the issue that we talked about with Vogel is, you know, what about the, um, what about the lack of offense and all these other spots and, and, and you have to go, you have to, I think you've got to get it. If you're the jazz, you have to get an answer on that. The one thing I, I'm not sure that I did justice to Frank Vogel on is he's in Indiana and he turns it around for, and then he, for, uh, for five years in, or six seasons in Indiana. And then I just think it's relevant that the year he leaves, they go from 45 and 37 to 42 and 40. So Nate McMillan takes over for a year and they get swept in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, they still have Paul George. They, it's not, you know, it's not dramatically, they didn't get better. Like, that's my point. And I think that matters. Like when you look at a head coach and you say, well, okay, in Indiana, it wore out. Did they get better? In Orlando, his last year, they're 25 and 57. They bring in Steve Clifford. They do get better the next year. They go to 42 and 40. So it goes both ways. On this one, um, for Vogel, that they, they took a considerable jump. They went from Vogel's last year at 25 and 57 and 25th in the league offensively. Then they became 22nd in the league offensively the next year. Not a big jump, but they got better defensively, which could be just maturity. Steve Clifford took over. They went 42 and 40. It was short-lived as they went 33 and 40 the next year. Um, and we'll see what happens when he leaves you know, with L.A. this year, and L.A.'s its own monster. Um, but I just thought that was one more piece of the puzzle when we look at these coaches that we probably should be analyzing. So let's look at the most experienced candidate that is out there um, on this coaching search, and that is Terry Stotts. And Terry Stotts' career is really remarkable. Um, for He's 64 years old. He played his college ball at Oklahoma. He's been an assistant for 14 years in the NBA. He's been a head guy for 13 years in the NBA. His assistant run is pretty interesting. He goes with George Carl in Seattle and Milwaukee with some really good teams. He then goes to Atlanta and coaches for two years and gets fired. He becomes an assistant for a year of the Warriors. He goes to Milwaukee for two years and gets fired. And he goes to Dallas. And this is where, like, the retread thing to me is something I don't hate. Because at that point, he's had four years of not great head coaching. You would think he's done. He goes to Dallas. He and Dwayne Casey build maybe the greatest staff of all time with Rick Carlisle as the head coach, and they win a title. And he gets another shot in Portland. And he then pulls off eight straight playoff seasons um, over his nine years in Portland. Uh, and so w- you, we cannot have a coach apply for this job with more experience. If we want an experienced coach and we're not trying something new and we're trying to still compete and we're ch- still trying to win, you, you just don't get 14 years as an assistant, 13 years as a head coach, somebody who's coached Dame Lillard, which matches kind of 
exactly to the same point in this career of where Donovan is right now. He's an interesting contrast to Quinn because he's thought of as a very cerebral coach, but a very calm coach and without any frenetic energy. And Quinn probably is more on the frenetic energy. I think a really interesting thing from a big picture before we dig into the numbers on Terry Stotts is he's not trying to prove a point. Um, You know, this is a weird analogy, but we built a house. And uh, when I was, when we were searching for the architect, the best architect we talked about, there was one guy we talked to, he was incredible, young, aspiring architect. I, I don't know where he is now. I'm sure he's great. He was amazing. But I had a feeling he was going to use my house build for his own personal signature, probably a little bit more grandiose than anything I would ever want. And that it would be a place where he'd want to drive by and show his clients, look at these. Cre- That's not who we, I am. That's not what I wanted, what we wanted. And so we we didn't hire him. We took this guy who was just kind of a really straight, narrow, like executor, really solid, did a great job, but executed the plan we wanted. He, this guy had been a longtime veteran. He had nothing to prove. I get nervous sometimes with people who have something to prove. Um, and that's a weird concept, but I think that Terry Stotts doesn't have anything to prove. So he would look at our team, number one offensive team in the league, four years ago, number one defensive team in the league, and take the strengths and the weaknesses of the roster and just implement them the best he could rather than maybe a less experienced coach who would come in and say, I've got to do this. I got to put this stamp on it. I got to show I can do this. I got to run this because that's what I could be wrong. Could be wrong, but that's just kind of a big picture. Now let's look at Terry and his career. So he, he has the two kind of false starts. He takes over for Lon Kruger for Atlanta. They're 11 and 16 and he takes over and they, he goes 24 and 31 in his first season. Now, the year before, they were 33 and 49. They were 24th in league def- offensively and 22nd defensively. He takes over. They're exactly the same, 23rd and 22nd. He gets one full season as a head coach on the team. They're 23rd offensively, 25th defensively. The, the roster is Rashid, uh, Jason Terry, Sharif Abdurrahim, Steven Jackson, Bobby Sura, Theo Ratliff. It's not a good team. Terry Stotts gets one full season. They go 88 and 25, and he's out. The next coach, because I wanted to look at this with Frank Vogel, the next coach, Mike Woodson, takes over, and they go 13 and 69. So they go from 28 and 54 under Terry to 13 and 69 the next year. Now, he gets one year. It doesn't even seem like, as a first-year head coach, it doesn't even seem like it should count. But they don't get better. He goes to Milwaukee. He takes over from Terry Porter, who was 30 and 52. They were the 13th-ranked offense and 28th-ranked defense. And in the next year, they increased 10 wins. He gets them to the 14th offense and 23rd defense. And then in the next season, they fall flat. They go 28 and 54. And this team is Michael Red, Mo Williams, Charlie Bell, Andrew Bogut, uh, Earl Boykins, Ruben Patterson. Not much of a team there. How did he win? Who did he have the year before that they won games? Wow. No one. Wow. He won. I didn't know this. He won 40 games. With Michael Red, T.J. Ford, Bobby Simmons, Jamel McClure, and Andrew Bogut playing his most mil- and Mo Williams. Woo! The next year they fall on their fl- face. Twenty-eight fifty-four, he gets fired. Larry Kraskoviak takes over, and the next year after he's out, Larry Kraskoviak goes twenty-six and fifty-six. So Terry's first two starts, 
Terry Stott's first two starts as a head coach don't end well, but they also, the team doesn't get better after he leaves in any way, shape, or form. Now let's, let's but if we're really going to discuss who you're going to get as the head coach of the Utah Jazz, if Terry Stott's your heart, you're going to dig in to the eight years, nine years that he had in Portland. So let's do that as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years, and they are a trusted source for your car automotive needs. The Hyundai brand is just remarkable. The small Kona is the zippy SUV. The Palisade is the gorgeous big one. The Santa Fe, we bought two of them. You know I did the numbers breakdown and looked at all the different possibilities of what would be the best car out there, the safest one, the most bells and whistles for the dollars. In fact, we actually... um, we're driving a Tucson that we're going to get for our daughter. And then there's one more safety feature on the Hyundai uh, Santa Fe. And I was like, oh, we have to have that. So we got our daughter a Hyundai Santa Fe. Because um, if any of you have raised kids and seen how they drive, then you know why we bought a new car with all the safety features possible. Uh, and that is over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com and we will take get you set up with a uh, a uh, VIP meeting for you. Today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto, our good friends over at Rock Auto, a family-owned automotive business. No need for you to play 30, 50, even 100% more by stopping by a brick-and-mortar store or a dealership. Instead, Rock Auto will save you time and money with their old-school, easy-to-use website. Go explore the website today at rockauto.com, and it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need from brake pads to tail lamps to motor oil to even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Please write locked on in the how did you hear about us section so that they know who sent you. It's amazing selection. It's reliably low prices. It's all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Have you taken our survey yet? Thanks so much if you did. Really appreciate it. Seems like we've gotten really good Turn out on that on the listener survey. So thank you very much um, if you did do that. All right, let's dig into Terry Stotts. So Terry Stotts takes over in Portland. The first year they go, th- they win 33, then they win 54, 51, 44, 41, 49, 53, basically 535 and 39 in a shortened season. And then 42 in the 72 in season. So that's 58% winning percentage. In his Eight years, or nine years as head coach, his last eight years, here's his offensive ranking every year. 15th, 2nd, 9th, 6th, 11th, 15th, 3rd, 3rd, and 2nd. Let me do that again. Top 15 all nine years as his head coach. Top 15 all those last eight years. Those are That's his nine years. Excuse me, all nine. 15, 2, 9, 6, 11, 15, 3, 3, and 2. So seven of the nine years, he's top 11. Four years in the top five. And top average or above average in all nine years. Now the book on stats and why Portland and Neil O'Shea let him go and the negative was supposedly 
that he couldn't coach that they that he that they didn't coach defense. And in his last two years, they're 28th and 29th in the league defensively. So there's so Frank Vogel's concern was well, where's the offense? Then the concern on Portland becomes where's the defense? Under Stotts. But what's interesting about this is if you look at Stotts's run defensively, and you look at clean if you take clean the glass, or you take whatever numbers you want. What what's really interesting about Stotts is there. Here's the defensive rankings every year: twenty fifth his first year, then they go to nineteenth, then they go to seventeenth, then they go to twenty third, then they go to fourteenth, then they go to seventh, then they go to thirteenth. Then they go to second. Twenty. Then they go to twenty second, and then their their last three years with Stotts is that is they're not good. Excuse me, I had those wrong. I said those wrong. Twenty six, sixty. I switched between clean the glass and regular. Sorry. Here they are again. Twenty sixth, sixteenth, tenth, tenth, twentieth, twenty fourth, eighth, sixteenth. And then the last two years, 28 and 29. So what's interesting to me is there's a signature to Terry Stotts' defense in all these years. And that is that they don't force turnovers. Now, that's a, that's a philosophy. The Jazz had the same one. And with Rudy Gobert, it might be the perfect way to implement the philosophy. If you look at Stotts, the number one, when we did this earlier, remember we looked at the, the, the four factors and what led to winning the most is the top, if you had location um, defense or, or defensive effective field goal percentage, we looked at all those. The number one most important defensive four factor w- is whether or not you, you're, you're top six team in the league uh, in your defensive effective field goal percentage. You don't want to be bottom six. It's really what we found. Like You can't just not defend the shot. And in Stotts last year, they're 30th. And the year before that, they're 24th. But what's interesting to me about Terry Stotts' defenses in the previous years is they're always average or better than average at defending the shot. What they don't do is force turnovers. And that brings some of those ratings down. So it's a shell defense that forces you to... Pl- to in, into the areas in which, you know, I'll bet you if we look at where teams are shooting under those years, they generally, until the last few years, kept you off the rim and kept you away from shooting threes. He was number one, number one in the league at denying threes, eighth in the league, fourth in the league, third in the league, third in the league at denying threes. He was 11th, 12th, 17th, 21st, 18th in the league at denying the rim. I like that, that there's at least a, a strategy and a philosophy there. Now, they didn't force any turnovers, and so that hurt their defensive rating. But if you look at the middle years, it's not that bad. And then you look at the personnel, right? So that's like the next step if we're going to dig in and really figure out. If this is all right. So this is our bugaboo on Stotts, which is wait a sec, what happened with them defensively? And by the way, the defense when he left got worse. When Stotts left them. Their defense got worse, and they started to force a bunch of turnovers, and they became last in the NBA in defensive effective field goal percentage, and they won 27 games. They went from 42 wins to 27 in Portland when Stotts left. Now they unle- they and they unloaded talent. 
as the year went on. If you go back and look at the on-off stats of the Portland Trailblazers in stats as years, you will realize that he has some personnel issues. He's got Carmelo Anthony playing 1,600 minutes in the 2021 season. When he's got Yusuf Nurkic on the team, on the floor, decent big man, they're 10 points per 100 possessions better defensively than they would when he was off the floor. He didn't, Ennis Cantor is his backup center and their defense falls apart. Norman Powell's on the floor. They're seven points percentage, seven points per 100 possessions better defensively. Carmelo Anthony takes those minutes. In the 1920 season, when they're terrible defensively, they have Carmelo Anthony on this team, along with some other young, inexperienced, not particularly good defense players. What's interesting is if you go back to the team that Neil O'Shea blew up that was so good, that had Al Farouk Amino and Mo Harkless on it, those teams weren't terrible defensively. Right, So when it suddenly was a team with some decent, long, athletic teams, then Terry Stotts was 16th in the league defensively, according to Cleaning the Glass, 7th in the league defensively in 17-18. I'm not sure that that red flag of Stotts not coaching defense holds when you consider that he has a 6th in Cleaning the Glass, he has a 16th, he has a 10th, he has a 7th, he has a 16th. He does have a 29th and a 27th, he does have a 25th and a 20th. And he clearly has a strategy that they don't force turnovers. They play a shell. They force you to shoot. They take you off the three-point line. Now, you give me a defense that takes you off the three-point line, puts Rudy Gobert in the middle, I'm pretty excited. In fact, one of the things that went wrong this year is we suddenly started allowing a ton of threes. Here's the other aspect of stats. Eight straight years in the playoffs. They frankly weren't very good before he took over. He has four playoff wins, all of them as an underdog. Now, I went back through my notes over the years, and one thing that's interesting on Portland, they were always a good, close game team. And one thing that I think is relevant to either Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, or Terry Stotts, I don't know which, is that their offense always held to be good in the clutch. The Jazz were a very good offensive team. We didn't always hold to be a good offensive team in the clutch. Is that a statement of Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, or Quinn Snyder? I don't know, but it's factual. We we didn't hold to be as good defensively in the clutch. And we didn't pull up, you know, we, we didn't have the same um, playoff success. But Terry Stotts' offenses in close game clutch ratings for an NBA stats Fourth, second, first, eleventh, fifteenth, eighteenth, third, fifth, and first. It's pretty good. His defense was a little bit of this in that realm, but actually, his last few teams that were so bad defensively were actually half decent defensively in the clutch. One of them was actually good. A lot of noise there. I don't love those numbers, just to be honest, but it's worth noting. So, in summation of Terry Stotts, you have the unquestionably the most experienced coach you can get. You have an elite offensive coach. You have a coach who's got defensive warts, but with the right roster, seem to be okay and clearly has a philosophy. I mean, I just don't see a lot of defensive players other than maybe Harkless and Al Farouk, both of which, by the way, became much less good players after they left Portland. 
right? Like, I think that's worth noting. Like, Harkless and Al Farouk were key cornerstone pieces for that Portland team that went to the Western Conference Finals. If you go back and look at that 18-19 team that wins 53 games, and you look at minutes played, it's Dame and CJ, I'm going to guess, are 1-2, but Al Farouk is, like, number three. Evan Turner is number five, and Mo Harkless is number six, and none of those players, when they left, did a single thing in their career. Maximizing the talent you have, I think, would be a signature of Terry Stotts. We can dig into it more as he probably moves through the final stages. And so you have an offensive mastermind. You have the most experienced coach you could possibly have. You have someone who's coached similar to Dame and Don. Defense has a system, worked at times, didn't work at times based on personnel. And there's one, you know, has four playoff wins as an underdog. That's why I'm not going to go sit here and tell you I don't want to retread. I think Terry Stotts would be outstanding. Chris Quinn might be outstanding. Will Hardy might be outstanding. Alex Jensen should probably be outstanding. Johnny Bryant's outstanding. I, wait a sec. Someone's going to think look at that. Alex Jensen's outstanding. Johnny Bryant's outstanding. I, I get hard because I know Johnny and Alex, and I don't want to feel like I'm a shell for the two of them. A bunch of these guys are outstanding. I'm sure of it. I don't know Sean Sweeney at all. I'm sure he's outstanding. But I'm not going to tell you that I ha- like that. there's something wrong with a retread if the retread's Terry Stotts and he's got this track record. There are nine names continually being mentioned on the rumor mill of the NBA. We will touch on those nine, plus take a look at the Detroit Pistons roster before we are done today. This is pretty darn cool. Have you heard of Arcade Up? Bring home a slam dunk. I'm telling you what. NBA Jam Shack Edition from Arcade Up. Pre-order now to play with the Legends Arcade Up is the place for authentic gaming experience featuring licensed retro games games with golden age of arcades. Listen to this. Boom shakalaka. That's right. That one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One, the leader in home retro arcade games, is not only bringing back the best game ever, but they've made it bigger and better than ever with the Shaq Edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, so jump clear across the court, set the ball on fire, all the fun things in one of the first sports games ever to feature. Real digitalized NBA license team. No fouls, no free throws, no quarters required. Complete with friends and family, all new with Wi-Fi leaderboards making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now at arcade1up.com. That's arcade1up.com. That's ArcadeUp1.com. Estimated early September for the ship date. Arcade One is the place for fun. They've got even more classics. Golden Tea. How many people played Golden Tea and had pizza at the same time? Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat and others for just $399 is where they start. Check it out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a lockdown listener. Enter a chance to win a game console for your man cave at ArcadeOneUp.com slash lockdown. That's Arcade One. Number one up.com slash locked on. The giveaway will go till July 8th to enter when the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter date. I just told you we're giving away a NBA Jam Shack console edition. So go to NBA, the uh go to arcade1.com slash locked on. That's arcade1.com slash locked on to enter in and get your chance to win. Thanks so much for making Locked On your first listen of the day. Make Locked On NBA Big Board your second listen.
today. All right, uh, brand reveal of the logo Friday, of the new colors and logo on Friday. We have to get all new shirts, redo all of our logos for the show. Kind of cool. Pretty excited. Um, here are nine names that are just floating around. Could be a really interesting offseason in the NBA. D'Angelo Russell. New GM there, likely. John Collins continues to get talked about. Colin Sexton in Cleveland. Tobias Harris in Philadelphia. These are big names. Danny Green. Getting age. Miles Turner, Indiana. DeAndre Ayton, Phoenix. Clint Capella, Atlanta. They've got a star coming. Jeremy Grant, Detroit. Those nine names continue to float around. So let's look at Detroit. And Jeremy Grant's the top one on the on the list. He's making $20 million And he's got a year left on his deal. And when we talk about Andrew Wiggins and elite athletes, frankly... That's what Jeremy Grant is. Jeremy Grant is an elite, elite athlete. So Grant has 20.20 million on the books for next year. And he's an unrestricted free agent in 23, 24. The thing is that they want a first round pick. We just don't have it. Grant would be great. He's long, he's athletic. I don't know if he's as great a defender as we all make him to say, but he's an elite athlete. He can shoot it a little. He's learned how to handle. He'd probably be better if he slides back into a non-primary role. Detroit, he's not on Detroit's timetable. There's no reason why Detroit would keep him for this year. They should get value for him. And, But I don't know how the Jazz do it. But he's certainly interesting. You know, the, the numbers work for Mike Conley, for Jeremy Grant, but that doesn't really match anything. to They, they would need a pick. Um, and they're not really looking to win next year. So they're not, that's not the model that, you know, they're going to add a draft pick here to go with Cade Cunningham. And then they're going to start to probably add free agents the year after and try to really try to win at that point. Kelly Olenek is on the books for $12.8 million and then $12.1 non-guaranteed the next year. Linux interesting to me. He's been out of kind of the, the, the mold for a little while. I, he's actually really, a, I think he's a five at this point. Um, he's getting older. I think he's slowing down. His body's failing him a little bit. Um, but he's an interesting playmaking big who can pass and you can run the offense through and you can do a bunch of handoffs. And you could be pretty creative with it. If you have a good offensive coach, I think he could do a lot of things with. So he's actually interesting to me in the sense, again, he's not on the same timetable in Detroit. They might actually just move him. Um, The non-guaranteed contract the next year allows you to have a trade piece that you can use there. Um, That teams want in the future. I think Kelly, I've always thought Kelly Olenek's interesting. I've always wondered whether Kelly Olenek... I don't think Kelly Olenek can switch defensively the way you want him to. And so I think he really has to be a five. And, you know, he only played 40 games last year. He only played 20, what did he play the year before? 70, split time between the two. Um, so maybe only last year's the injury years and the shooting was really bad last year. It's been kind of intermittent here. It was 34 
and two years ago and 34 last year and his career is 36 and you're beginning to wonder if maybe he's a 34 percent three-point shooter instead and his two-point percentage drop like there's some real aging sides on him um, the one thing I've always wondered is whether somehow you could protect him by playing him with Gobert. That probably is not true. The more and more the league is spreading out, you're going to have to guard one through four, and I'm not sure Olenek's switching. Um, but I do like Kelly Olenek um, as a player. I'm just not sure how he matches. Otherwise, that roster is just young and probably doesn't have a lot of pieces for us other um, than whether you can find a way to get Jeremy Grant. And as I said, Jeremy Grant, you'd have to believe You'd have to really believe that Jamie Grant is a piece that pushes us over the edge. So if you, you know, if we suddenly, it's interesting though, you make one switch. Like let's say you change Royce O'Neal into Jeremy Grant and you suddenly go from 6'4 at that um, position to Jeremy Grant at 6'8", 210 and, and now you have Boyan at 6'8", and suddenly you're actually not small. And yet, and you change out Mike Conley for a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", and now we're not small at all. And maybe that is worth giving up a pick. If you can do the other things around it, maybe that is worth giving up the pick, right? So you can get like a 6'5 guard who's defensive-minded, Reggie Bullock type, uh, on the mix of things, and you suddenly can go trade Jeremy Grant for a future first, and now you're Donovan, that 6'5 guard, Jeremy Grant, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert, well, wait a sec. Now, all of a sudden, we're not small. Maybe you're a little more interchangeable. Donovan and Boyan would have to defend. Boyan, you know, would be mixed into that stuff. But, you know, it's then all of a sudden that maybe you're willing to make that kind of a deal uh, for a player like Jeremy Grant down the future and pull that off. Uh, it is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Tomorrow, we will look at some of the assistants, and I'm hoping to get, I have a huge lockdown project I got to get done, but I'm hoping to do my coaches research where I grade all the coaches in the past. And then we look at um, what type of resumes have been most successful. I'm excited to do that project and I'd like to get to it. So hope you enjoyed the show today. Thanks very much. Please comment in the comment section, leave five stars. Now go listen to Locked On NBA Big Board for the latest. And if you haven't caught Locked On Sports today, that's our signature daily show. It's a great catch up. Have a great one. Thanks.